0: It would make no sense for me to want to go to In-N-Out but stop at every fast food restaurant on the way there. Because then by the time you get there, you're not hungry, even if you wait 90 minutes. But you need an empty space for something to be filled, and that's why the Bible teaches that what God wants to do, in effect, is He wants to empty us out of our self-styled life so that He can fill us with His Spirit and His life. If you're so full of yourself, it's impossible to be full of the Holy Spirit.
1: There's a lot in this world that can fill you up, as Pastor Daniel said. There's work, friends, and family, ministry, hobbies, all good things, but they can fill your plate and take hours out of your day. Now, if you allow all the things of the world to take up your time, will you have space for the Lord? Pastor Daniel begins a new series today encouraging you to examine how you're filling your time and to allow the Holy Spirit to take precedence. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Luke chapter 4, as he begins his message, The Spirit and Jesus.
0: Jesus So almost every innovation that happens in our lives, or even in our culture, begin with a problem, right? Like there's this situation, there's this problem that's going on, and we're like, we have to fix this, and then ultimately that leads to what we commonly call a life hack, some sort of a trick or some sort of a way to navigate a problem area. I I think about this, one of my favorite uh, life hacks. Uh, When Lynn and I first got married, I love my bride so much. She's the best thing that ever happened to me next in Jesus, but that woman could lose her keys like no one's business. And it didn't help that we had, you know, we were newly married and then our son Obadiah came, you know, 10 months later or whatever. And so, so she's got this, you know, she's got a new husband who's not an easy job that she's got. And then she's got this little kid. And then it was amazing because you ever realize, you never realize that you lost your keys until like the second that you have to leave the house and you're running late, right? That's how it goes. And then all of a sudden it's like, I can't find my keys. And when we first got married, you know, just truth be told, you can imagine I'm not the most patient person by nature. I'm from New Jersey. So everything's like, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, you know? And so sure enough, it's time to leave and we're running late. And then Lynn can't find her keys. And this went on literally every single day. And then I'll never forget one day I'm, finally, I'm like, it, you know, and then it was not only the keys, but then it's, you lose the phone. This was before they had the find your phone thing on your phone. Isn't that a great life hack? Like to find your friends and their phones function. It's so good, you know? Um, but we couldn't find the phone. We couldn't find the keys. And then I remember one day I was out I was at like a little bodega there where we were living in New Jersey. And I saw this, they had this little bowl, like this little like bone looking bowl. And I'm like, how much is that? They're like 50 cents. I'm like, I'll take it. You know, and I came home. Like I got, a, I got you a gift, sweetie. It's like, what is this? It's like a bowl. Why'd you get me a bowl? And I put it on top of the fridge. I'm like, every day when you walk in the house, the keys in the phone go right in there. And she's like, why? I'm like, you'll always know where it is. And what's amazing is, is she hasn't lost her keys in a long time. You know, and even I, then I lose my keys, and I'm like, to put my keys in the bowl. But, but, but the idea is, is that because there's some sort of a problem, you have to figure out a solution, right? And so much of how life has evolved for all of us is what are the solutions that we come up with to the problems that we face? Now, What's beautiful, of course, is that God knows that life isn't always easy. And Jesus ultimately gave his church, the people that he's created, really gave us just one life hack, one way to make the things that are wrong in life right. And that life hack, of course, is the Holy Spirit. You know, when Jesus looked at what's the problem with humanity, he's like, actually, the problem with humanity is that they're human. So I'm going to take my spirit and I'm going to place it within my people. And the Holy Spirit's presence in his people is then going to facilitate all of the life of God and all of the kingdom of God within each one of us. And so today we're going to begin a series that we're calling Life Hack because we're going to explore who the Holy Spirit is, how he works, and why he does the things that he does. Now... To put a couple of just ground rules in place, I realized that talking about the Holy Spirit within the context of church might be the most controversial thing you can do. And if you've been around Crossroads at all, you know we do not shy away from the hornet's nest. We like, kind of like, like to live there and have fun there, and you know we don't mind getting stung a little bit in the midst of it, and that's just who we are, and so we're, we're gonna spend some time here. What you also need to realize is that I'm not, I can't say everything about the, who the Holy Spirit is in one message. Right. So even as we do a series over the the coming weeks and months together, even over the weeks and months, I can't exhaust every text on the Holy Spirit. There's all sorts of things that we're going to be leaving out in the midst of it. But we are going to be exploring who the Holy Spirit is, how he works. What are the gifts of the Spirit? What does this all mean? How are we supposed to explore this? And what I really want to encourage you to do, not only over this series that we're together, but in your own life, is simply to say, Holy Spirit, I surrender myself to you afresh today. You know, our founding pastor, Bill Ritchie, has always said, the question is not, do you have the Spirit? The question is, does the Spirit have you? And it's a question of, our ability to learn how to surrender our lives every single day. And some of you have had experiences with uh, the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. Others of you haven't. And the beauty is, is we're going to make some space over these coming weeks and months to wait on the Spirit of God and to pray for the Lord to do his work. But if you have or haven't had the experience, what God did in your life yesterday, we want to learn from it. But we want to say, Lord, what do you want to do in me today? Because God is interested in us walking with him every single day. The blessings of yesterday might create some nostalgia in our hearts, and we, we like that. But nostalgia is looking at the past with joy. And really, we want to be able to look at the past and say, Lord, with joy, this is what you are doing. And we want to look at the future and say, Lord, we hope in what you want to do in the future. And then we all want to say, Lord, what do you want to do in me today? How do you want to be glorified in my life today? So in order to get at this series, let's just start with how we see the spirit of god working in the life of jesus himself. so in order to do that open up your bibles to luke chapter 4. luke chapter four, Luke's Gospel, of course, is the third book in your New Testament, the third of the four Gospels. They call the first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the Synoptic Gospels. They call them that because the Synoptic Gospels kind of tell the story of Jesus. They share a lot of material together, you know, and then, of course, the fourth Gospel, John's Gospel, has kind of got a whole different flavor to it. But in Luke chapter four, we're seeing the beginning of the life of the ministry of Jesus, And there's a number of ways the Holy Spirit is spoken of in this chapter that I think is really powerful. One of the things that I learned as a young pastor, someone said, if you want to know what God is up to you, you should follow the verbs. The idea is that God is active. God is not passive, right? And so when you follow verbs, you actually get to see how God is working. Now, what's amazing is in Luke chapter four, we see a number of verbs attributed to how the Holy Spirit is working in the life of Jesus. And sometimes you, you won't even see it if you're just reading through it unless you're thinking about it. So I'm gonna be able to show you four ways that the Spirit of God is working in the life of Jesus himself. So it says, I'm just gonna read the first half of verse one of Luke chapter four. It says, then Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit returned to from the Jordan. So right away, what we learned is that Jesus was filled with the spirit. So, and the idea, you think about just the idea of being filled with something. Just the other day, uh, we decided to take, as a family, a little road trip down to Kaiser, Oregon. There's only one reason to go to Kaiser, Oregon. <laughs> and that's because they put it in an burger there funny story about In-N-Out because we're talking about being filled with the spirit, right? So I had been a vegetarian for like 15 years. And I remember when we lived in California, we lived around the corner from an In-N-Out burger. And even though I wasn't eating meat, I still enjoyed the smell of it. And especially because we lived around the corner from In-N-Out. And I remember on the day we found out Lynn was pregnant with Maranatha, our second child, Lynn's like, we're pregnant. What do you want to do? I'm like, let's go to In-N-Out burger. She's like, what? What? She'd never seen me eat meat before, you know? But sure enough, I went over there. And so, you know, we, we drove down to Kaiser to go to In-N-Out, and it was amazing. There was like a 45-minute wait to get, to make your order, and then a 45-minute wait to receive your food, and then after 90 minutes of waiting, you know, what was I? I was hangry. I was like, man, this is not nice, you know? But sure enough, once that order came, what did I get? I got filled with a protein-style double-double, animal-style fries. That's what we did. So everyone knows what it means to be filled, right? It means there's something, that it's empty, and then you're, it's being put into you. And what you find here is that Jesus comes back from being baptized in the Jordan River. And John is there, and he gets baptized. And even though the Spirit of God descends and lights upon him like a dove, now it says he's returning, now he's filled with the Spirit. And for each one of us, what it teaches us is that God wants to fill you with himself. That's what he wants to do. And the thing is, you can't fill a full vessel, my friends. Like, it would make no sense for me to want to go to In-N-Out, but stop at every fast food restaurant on the way there. Because then by the time you get there, you're not hungry, even if you wait 90 minutes. 90 minutes. But you need an empty space for something to be filled. And that's why the Bible teaches that what God wants to do, in effect, is he wants to empty us out of our self-styled life so that he can fill us with his spirit and his life. If you're so full of yourself, it's impossible to be full of the Holy Spirit. That's why John the Baptist said, he must, speaking of Jesus, must what? Increase, and I must what? Decrease. So for Jesus, there is this filling. And of course, this reminds me of Ephesians chapter five, verse 18, that says that we do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the spirit. And it's a very poignant and powerful analogy the apostle Paul uses. He's he's saying, don't be drunk with wine. He's like, don't be under the influence of alcohol. Why? Why? Because you can only really be under the influence of one thing or the other. And and we have a whole uh, classification in our legal system for being under the influence, right? It's like, you're not allowed to drive the car if you're under the influence of certain things. Why, because the police know and, and research tells us that when you're under the influence of drugs and alcohol, your reasoning is impaired, your motor skills are impaired, you may think you're funny, we all think you're an idiot, I'm just kidding, not really. Right? It's like we do things that we wouldn't normally do when we're under the influence. And you might think that the Apostle Paul was just kind of throwing ideas out there, but the Spirit of God inspired the Apostle Paul to use the influence of drugs and alcohol as the perfect picture for what it means to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Because just as when you're under the influence of drugs and alcohol, you do things that you wouldn't normally do, but unfortunately you're in the flesh, you're not making good decisions. When you're under the influence of the Holy Spirit, you do things that you wouldn't normally do, but instead of being in the flesh, you're in the spirit. And when you're in the spirit, the things of God's kingdom begins to come out of you. And so we want to be people who are filled with the spirit because Jesus came back from being baptized and it says, and he was filled with the spirit. When was the last time you said, Lord, will you empty me of me so that you can fill me with you? See, talk about a spiritual life. A spiritual life is a life that says, Lord, I don't want all my stuff. Will you empty me of myself so that what you want to do can come to pass? That you can fill me. Now, look at the second half of verse one tells us. I'll read the whole verse. Then Jesus being filled with the spirit returned from the Jordan and was led by the spirit into the wilderness. So notice the second verb. Jesus was led by the spirit. Jesus was led by the spirit. Now, what I think is so fascinating here is he comes, he's filled with the spirit, right? He comes back from being baptized. And then it says he's led by the spirit and he's led by the spirit. It says into the wilderness, Now, really when it speaks about being led, being led is when you allow somebody else to take the place of authority and bring you to where they want you to go. It's kind of like if you were to allow somebody, if you were going somewhere and someone's like, well, here, let me drive, right? Now it's funny, I come from a long line of people who they want to drive, but you don't want to be in the car with them. You know what I mean? It's like, we used to joke that they invented like the dashboard and those handles because of my dad. My dad was one of those guys. who wanted to get there fast, right? And he would never be in the car if he wasn't driving, which was horrifying, you know? I asked my dad's wife, Maren. They've been married for now 15 years. And I would say, Maren, how do you handle it? She's like, I just pretend like it's not happening. You know? It's just so funny. I just pretend like it's not happening, you know? But literally, the idea of being led is you allow someone to bring you not where you want to go, but where they want to bring you. And it says here that Jesus was led by the spirit, and what's interesting is it says, he's led by the spirit where? Into the wilderness. Now I'm here to tell you, being led into the wilderness is not exactly the most fun place to go. And if you were to continue reading, and we're not gonna read it today, but you can read it in your own time, Jesus is led by the spirit into the wilderness, and what happens? He's tempted by the devil. He's fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. This is not something that Jesus would have chosen, but the Spirit of God had other things that he wanted to accomplish, and this was necessary. Now, of course, there's a lot of pictures here. Jesus being in the wilderness, fasting, being tempted by the devil. Of course, it's a picture of Adam and Eve. Do you remember, God placed Adam in paradise, where he could eat anything he wanted. He was tempted, but he failed. Jesus, not in a beautiful paradise garden where he can eat anything, Jesus in the wilderness, not eating at all, is tempted and doesn't fail. Because Jesus is the second Adam. Jesus did what Adam couldn't do. There's that one picture. There's also the picture, it's not by chance that Jesus was fasting 40 days and 40 nights. Because, of course, the number 40 makes you think of another group of people in a wilderness for a period of 40. Well, who am I talking about? The children of Israel, Wandering in the wilderness for 40 years Right now again The children of Israel wandered in the wilderness For 40 years Because they were faithless And failing in the wilderness But Jesus The new and better Israel Jesus as the Messiah The embodiment of all that God hoped for Israel to be He's in the wilderness He's fasting He's being tempted But he doesn't fail It's without sin Now why do I share all this with you? Because if you are led by the Spirit, sometimes the Spirit of God will bring you to places you don't want to be, but God knows you need to be. And let's just, can we just be honest. This is why people do not like to follow Jesus. Because if you say, I want to follow Jesus, and if you say, I want to be led by the Holy Spirit, He's going to ask you to do things you do not want to do. And let's just be honest nobody likes to do what they don't want to do. Now, listen, for those of you who are kids right now, you're like, man, that's why I don't like being led by my parents. They make me clean my room. They make me do my homework. They make me eat my vegetables. They don't give me ice cream for breakfast, no matter how much you talk about it, Pastor Daniel. But when you get older, then you're like, well, now I get to do what I want to do. But then you realize when you believe your Bible that when you're a follower of Jesus, you don't get to do what you want to do. Your life is meant to be something that pleases the Lord. And the Spirit of God leads you to do things that make you scared, that make you uncomfortable. But don't miss the fact, Romans chapter 8 verse 14 tells us, very powerfully, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. You can't be a child of God unless you're led by the Spirit. Because the children of God do what the Spirit of God asks of us to do. So here's the question, who's setting the destination for your life right now? Are you being led where you want to go? Or are you letting the spirit of God lead you? You need to be led by the Lord. Because if not, you're doing whatever you want to do. And and don't miss the fact, if your God lets you do everything you want to do, you're worshiping yourself. Like that's what it means. Like it's what is what I want. And our culture says you can do what you want. But our culture is the most unhappy generation that has ever lived with the most life hacks and the most comfort making things. So our culture has really no moral authority to say that we know the right way to do it because it's not working. It's not working. It feels like it, it feels like our culture is pulling apart. Why? Because everyone's doing what makes sense to them. Everyone's doing what is right to them. And then the Lord is like, "Listen, let me lead you. Let me show you. And sometimes, I'm here, I'm here to tell you, God is going to lead you to do things that you wouldn't normally do. And I'm here to tell you, that's what walking by faith is all about. Like, can you imagine Jesus, right? Like, imagine if Jesus lived in this generation, right? And Jesus is like, he's getting baptized. And, and all of a sudden, Spirit Spirit's God's like, listen, hey, let's go into the wilderness. You're going to fast for 40 days. What do you think Jesus is going to say? Why would I want to fast? I mean, why would I want to be tempted by the devil? I mean, there's so many more fun things that I can do. I can start a YouTube channel. I can vlog my whole life every time I do something. I'm like, hey, look what I did. Hey, look, I went to the bathroom. You can see, look at this. I got a special thing. I flush it and it makes some sounds, you know? So good. You can buy one for $9.99 on my website. Right? Like that, That's the world that we live in. But guess what? Jesus was willing to be led. And we have to learn the art of saying, Lord, I wanna be, be led. What does it mean to abandon the choice of the destination? What does it mean to trust God in such a way that you step on out into things that you would have never done before? So many of you, I'm so proud of you guys, because so many of you are doing that by joining groups, by stepping into ministry right now. I was just talking to someone the other day when we were talking about steps of faith, and I'm like, you know, the Bible teaches that perfect love casts out fear, but fear is also a great reminder when God's asking us to walk by faith, when he's asking us to do something that we wouldn't normally do. The first time you go to do something, you're scared to do it, right? Like some of you right now, you're praying like, hey, I'm supposed to join Crosses on a mission trip, go cross-culturally, right? And that makes you nervous. That's like a good nervous, because you know that God's inviting you out into something unlike anything that you've ever experienced before. And so don't allow the fear to keep you from being led. Now sometimes the fear is because God is wise and doesn't want you to hurt yourself, so he's like, don't do that. But a lot of times the fear is just a reminder that I'm doing something I've never done before. I think of Peter, remember that story? We, read, we just read it in our Through the Bible reading plan where the disciples are, are on the, uh, the Sea of Galilee and the storm kicks on up and Jesus comes walking on the water to them. And good old Peter, you know, Peter's like, Lord, if it's you, call me out onto the water. And Jesus is like, come on, bro. You know, and it's amazing is that Peter steps on out and he begins to walk on the water. But then it says that he noticed the, the wind and the waves and the storm and he began to sink. Right. And of course, Jesus grabbed him and they end up back in the boat. And there's a great teaching about, you know, you have little faith and all this. But what's amazing is oftentimes we, we have a tendency to make fun of Peter, but. You know, there was 12 disciples who were there. Only Peter was the one walking on water. But he was led. He said, Lord, if, if it's you, let me come on out. Jesus was like, come on. If Jesus would have said, stay put, and Peter would have stepped out, that would have been not smart. But Jesus invited him out. And, and one of the things that I'm, I always tell you guys, that because we believe in simply responding to Jesus here at Crossroads, I believe that God is continually inviting all of us. He's inviting us into new life. He's saying, listen, I know this is the way you've always done it, but can we, can we do something different? I have a different plan. And he invites us, and then we can either RSVP with a yes or a no. And what I have learned in my life is that RSVPing with a yes is easy if you trust the Lord. And if you don't trust the Lord, it's impossible. Because you don't know what he's going to do. And what I will tell you is this example of Jesus being led, God doesn't always lead you into something more convenient, more easy. He doesn't always lead you into, this is going to be smoother than yesterday. Sometimes God leads you right into the storm, because in the storm, God reveals to us both who he is, that he is the master over the wind and the waves, and also reveals to us who we are, is that we're pretty skittish people, no matter how much we know him.
1: Jesus is real. Pastor Daniel began a series today talking about the Holy Spirit who he is, what he does, and why he's important to your life. In this message, you learned right from Jesus what it means to be filled with the Spirit and to be led by the Spirit. Your life can have purpose, God's purpose, and that involves allowing access to your heart by the Holy Spirit, and then it involves responding to the promptings he gives in your life. It's your choice to really follow, so what are you going to choose? Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. I realize
0: that there are many of you, you're not a born again follower of Jesus. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. But as you've been listening, you've been saying to yourself, I want to begin to follow Jesus. I want to help you do that right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer that just acknowledges who Jesus is in your life. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life, your death on the cross and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, and I ask it in Jesus' name, amen. For those of you who just received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm so excited for you. I want to help you take your next steps with him. So pull out your mobile phone, text the word SAVED to 51400, S-A-V-E-D to 51400, and my team
1: will get in touch with you. We want to get some more resources in your hands to help you on this journey. Join us again here on Jesus is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel talks about the power that comes from being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a power that you can't explain. It's the ability to hold your tongue when you need to or speak the truth and love to those who need to hear it. It's having peace and patience that just can't be explained. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series called Life Hack. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.